Hey guys, welcome to She Knows Arsenal. My name is Jessica and I'm your host and you can follow me on Twitter at It's Jessinho. So this is going to be the match reaction for Arsenal versus West Brom. We beat them three to one and yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle today. Uh, the game was a struggle. Watching it was a struggle because ultimately we know we're not actually really competing for anything now for the rest of the season. So it was tough. It was really, really tough and it was a hard watch. Um, I think we all kind of anticipated there being like a rotated type of squad. Um, there were changes from the game against Villarreal and um, there were some interesting, uh, there were some interesting changes to that lineup. You saw the Kyle Saka kind of drop into a left back role, which I thought was a little bit strange. And um, I thought he did well there, but I mean, when you do something like that, it kind of exposes you a little bit. Why didn't you do that against Villarreal? You know, so it was just, a, it was a very strange game. I mean, Willian getting a goal, you know, we've been begging for you to do something all season. You've been absolutely dead this entire season. And now you decide to score a goal. Thanks. Thanks a lot. You know, so it was a struggle. It was, it was hard to watch, especially in the first half when it really looked like, um, it was just the kids were trying and everybody else couldn't, couldn't be asked. I mean, the lack of movement from some of the players was just, it was criminal uh, how they were standing around and how they were relying on Saka to do all the work. And then when he got to the byline and would put the ball across, um, nobody would even be there for the tap in. So, yeah, I thought this game was, it was, it was a really tough watch and Everything leading up to it, you know, the conversations about, you know, us being outside of Europe for the first time in 25 years and, you know, Arteta making claims that he's going to be backed in a significant way. Everything is just so cringy right now, you know, because it's just like, you know, if you were going to be back significantly, why couldn't you be backed, you know, the summer prior? So we're not in the situation, you know, if you're going to play if you could have played Saka at left back, why didn't you do it against Villarreal? We needed one goal at home against Villarreal and we scored three today. Like everything is just so, it's just so crazy, you know? So yeah, it was pretty difficult to watch, but I'm glad that we got the win because I couldn't really stomach a loss. And um, yeah, so let's see what some of you guys are saying in the, in the comment section. If you're here, let me know where you're watching in from and how you're feeling. Kaistrop says, I had zero excitement the entire game and two of my favorite young players scored. It's all about the kids, isn't it? I think this game really just, it reiterated the fact that that's all we really have in terms of quality. Our best players are 19 and 20 years old, and that is a big problem. It's a saving grace for Arsenal, but it's also a huge problem because you can't have, you know, 19 and 20 year olds trying to carry your season. I saw people uh, saying that Martinelli didn't really play well and they were disappointed in him. And I'm like, what do you expect? 19 year olds are inconsistent when they're in and out of the team. They don't get consistent minutes. They're not playing in a consistent position. What do you expect? Not everybody is, is Saka and Saka has been in the team longer than ESR and Martinelli um, for a more consistent amount of time. So I think we're we're lucky to have these players in our team, but it's also a crutch that I think is just so unfair to put on players um, of their age. Aaron said, we relegated West Brom, trust the process. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, last season we could have relegated Aston Villa and we didn't do it. 
you know, so at least we didn't go out there. I mean, this is very similar to last season, you know, when we played against Watford and we played against um, Aston Villa, those last two games, they were fighting for their lives. And we just went out there and had some of played some of the worst football that I've seen. It was very similar to that where they just couldn't be asked, you know, they, they can't be asked to be professional, put in a professional performance. And uh, they're really lucky that there's no fans in the stands because to play that way, knowing that Arsenal fans are watching and having that shirt on your back and just walking around the way that you are putting in half-ass effort, it's it's like a slap in the face. You know, some of them, it's just, I can't, uh, I don't want to be too negative, but I can't wait for the season to be over. Uh, Van says, I think Saka has to play left back at any time that Tierney isn't playing. He offers more than anyone else in the squad can apart from Tierney from there. The team is more balanced when Tierney or Saka plays. It's true. You know, it's just, it's, if Tierney is not available, then we need two Sakas and we just don't have it. And again, it's like we we're so reactionary and we can't look forward. You know, it's, you decide to loan out Kolasinac, which is the right thing because he was toxic. Um, I think he was, um, I'm, I, I, I don't think he was giving his 110% and he just wasn't a very good player. But if you're going to do that, you need to know for sure you're going to be able to bring in a, a left back cover. And they marketed Cedric, this very suspect signing to us as somebody that could play on the left and the right side. And he played there and got exposed and made a mistake like everybody else in the team has. And he can never play there again. Then you play a midfielder, mid, our midfielder there, and unbalance our midfield, only for him to get injured. Now to put um, Saka back there, so it's just a lot of strange decisions, and it all goes back to January when you were desperate to get Kolasinac out, but you didn't think maybe we need a left-sided or a left-footed left back to cover Tierney. But um. Yeah, but at the at the same time, you know, um, I just I don't want to live in negativity for the next couple of months because it's going to be really it's going to be a very, very long summer. Um, we're already being linked with different players. And, you know, when they asked Arteta if he was going to be backed, you know, this summer, he was going to have a significant amount of transfer funds. He he nodded. I, I wouldn't really put a lot of stock in that because I mean, significant funds for Arteta or the Cronkies could be like 40 million or something. So, you know, um, I think it's just going to be a really long summer. So I don't really, really want to be too negative, but I think Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe, although I think Smith-Rowe got injured, really give us a good, um, it's something to build off of. Um, one Something that I've been thinking about for the last couple of days that um, it's like, you know, when you have something that's going on in your life and people are trying to get you to understand that you have a problem, but until you admit, you know, you're, you stop being delusional and you actually acknowledge the problem, then you can actually start to rebuild or, or fix it. And I think we've been in denial for a very long time about the type of club that we are and where we are. And we've been pretending like we're this top top six club, top four club for a long time, but we've really been mid-table for a long time. Without Aubameyang's goals, we are mid-table, and we have been for a long, long time. Um, so I think now, without the, you know, papering over the cracks with 
Europa League or papering over the cracks with the FA Cup, we have nothing. So not only do we have to peel back the squad so that we can financially sustain because we we literally cannot have this many people on our roster and, and pay them with the type of budget that we, we're going to have because we don't have European football, but it's also just going to force us not to be able to carry any more passengers. And we've been carrying so many passengers for so long just in case so that they can play a couple of minutes here and there. Um, I looked at the team today and thought, wow, there's about five people I would, I would probably keep out of this group, you know, and I think it has to be that type of summer. You know, I know we're going to have to bring in players and we'll have so many uh, podcasts over the summer about squad building and players coming in. But I think one of the most important things is going to be addition by way of subtraction and just getting rid of some of the dead weight. Um, I look at people like Rob Holding and, and Chambers who have a narrative around them that there's these hardworking, you know, players that have been around for a while and they're just happy to be in the squad but they're not adding very much value to us. You know, they will play good here, good there, but they drop clangers here and there and they're immobile. They're, they're, they're not good enough. You know, um, I think it was Dan Potts the other day on my match preview was saying that we have Rob Holding and Callum Chambers playing for us in a, um, in whatever game it was. And neither of them have an England cap between them. I mean, you have players like Connor Cody and Michael Keane getting into that team, but we have Rob Holding and Callum Chambers, and neither of them can get a look in. And they've been around for a long, long time. They've either been injured or they're just not good enough. So those players need to go as well. And I know that they're not the main issue, but they are an issue within itself because they are mediocre. And when you have a lot of mediocre players in your team, you become mediocre. And they're obviously an issue in conjunction with the older players that we have that are on very high wages that aren't showing up. You know, I look at players like Cavani, who we all made fun of Manchester United for bringing in. And he's playing like a experienced center forward does um, when they're being brought in on a short term contract. You, this, this is what you get. And we brought in Willian and look what he's doing. You know, I mean, some of the times that Willian is on the field, I'm like, you might as well just flip us the bird and walk off the field because that's how you're playing. You might as well just tell us to go F ourselves because that's how you're actually playing. So I think we're going to have to strip back this entire thing to the studs and start over and build again. And but from a real way, I don't even think we really did that last summer. Again, I think last summer we were pretending we were something that we're not, and we fell short. I love Thomas Party, but the more that I think about it, I'm like, maybe I was a little misguided there. Maybe we could have brought in two players for the price that we brought him in and been a little bit further along. You know, maybe we don't need players that have played in the Champions League before or, or superstar players. Maybe we just need hardworking players that want to bring Arsenal back to their former glory. You know, there are players that you could bring in where they would be happy to be a part of this project for Arsenal. But I just feel like maybe we're just kidding ourselves. I think we need more Tierneys and more Gabriels and less Pepe's. And um, even though I think Pepe is a good player, I just think the money that we spent for him was, was misguided. And maybe Thomas Party as well. He's 27 years old. And I think he's a world-class player, but what could we have gotten 
you know, for the 45 million that we bought, brought him in for, you know, so those are just things that I think about, like the type of recruitment that we're going to have to do is probably the type of recruitment that we should have been doing in years prior, but we weren't doing it because we believed or we were trying to pretend we were something that we're not. We need to be looking at the championship. We need to be looking for smart buys. Unfortunately, we are now in a position where we need to be more like Leicester. Leicester probably needs to start thinking more like, you know, Man City and Chelsea if they want to actually challenge because they've gotten close enough to them to start trying to actually compete. We are down by where Leicester usually is. And I think that we have to look and see, you know, success leaves, leaves clues. You know, you buy a couple of players that are kind of under the radar, you build them up and you sell them for big money and you just make your way up the table. I just, I don't think there's the, this is a one summer thing. We can buy a couple of players and we're just going to shoot up the table. I think we could maybe, you know, overplay our margins um, this next season, depending on how, what kind of recruitment we do. And if we can take advantage of the fact that teams that are not usually in Europe will be in Europe for the first time or for the first time in a long time. And we can kind of, you know, uh, kind of overplay our, the margins in, in that respect. But I don't think we're going to go from 10th place all the way up to fourth in one season. I think it's going to be like try to get to sixth then try to get to fourth and try to get in. It's going to be a longer term thing. But if we see an actual plan, which is what I think we're all kind of looking for, then I think we can get behind it. You know, so let's see what you guys are kind of saying. Hmm. Let me see what you guys are saying. <laughs> yeah, Willie and great free kick. Yeah, for sure. Um, Henrik says it's a solid reset for this club is in need is in need for it's time. Yeah, we need to strip it all the way back and it's going to hurt. But I think. The problem is, is that the club is moving in a way where they're trying to make it seem as though we are a club that we're not. And we just have to get real. We have to get real. And I know Arsenal needs to be in Champions League, but we won't get there if we don't strip it back and start over. We've been cutting corners for years. You know, that's why we have William. You know, so for me, if we strip it back and we go with a younger squad and we recruit from the championship and we take advantage of the fact that because we have to think about, you know, this will be a good year for us to really try to at least get into the top six next season because a lot of the teams above us are going to have players that are going to be in the euros. And so they're going to actually be at a disadvantage at the start of the season when those players need rest. We don't have a lot of players that will be in the euros, not because, you know, our, it's, it's really doesn't have anything to do with like the level of players, but our players are not from that region. So we could take advantage of that. You know, the fact that a lot of them will have players in the Euros and we won't. So we, we'll be able to start out with a more rested squad than they will. You know, there are uh, teams like maybe West Ham and uh, um, Everton, maybe if they make it in there that haven't been in Europe before, or haven't been in a while. So they'll have that extra, those extra games. Um, that we won't have. So there are opportunities for us to take advantage, but if we don't have a plan to do that, I don't see it happening, but we could, if we can get off to a fast start next season, we could get up further than we probably should next season. 
But again, we need the plan. Um, Henrik says homegrown players is a huge thing with Brexit rules. It is, but if you recruit in the championship, a lot of those players are British. And if you have under 21 players, so basically if we shrink the squad and we don't have 25, we don't need to have eight homegrown players. You know, if you decide to have a smaller squad, then you don't, you don't have an issue. If you have 25 then you need to have eight, so we can, we can make our squad smaller because we won't need the players for Europa League. And I think what I read was that, if you don't make the homegrown numbers, if you have under 21s, then you're fine. And we have an abundance of under 21s in Martinelli. You know, if you add in Balligan, if uh, Saka is still under 21, so we'll make it. But I, I don't think that's a reason to hold on to Chambers and Holding, especially if they're the next man up when one of our players inevitably gets injured, because then you're right back in the same position. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Naomi says, we need smarter recruitment like Lester have, have for the past few years. I think the most important thing about recruitment is understanding where you are and then understanding how to get to where you want to be. And we've, we've been so, we've been thinking that we're somewhere where we're not. And we're just, we're not a top four team. We're not a top six team. We're mid table. And I think Lester understood where they were. And they knew that they couldn't go out and buy world-class players. They needed to buy players with good upside and they would build them up and then sell them for huge prices to Manchester United and Chelsea and teams like that. And it's been a really good strategy for them. That's helped them creep up the table over the years. So they're very smart because they know where they're, who, what kind of team they are. And um, they have the right people in place to get them where they want to be. And I'm not sure that we have the right people in, um, in, I don't think we have the right butts in the right seats. Let's see. Um, let's see. Aaron says Klopp went from eighth to fourth in one season. That's the benchmark, but that was also years ago where the, the Premier League wasn't as competitive uh, just a couple of years ago, like maybe four years ago, it wasn't as competitive. The amount of money that's coming into the Premier League is making it easier for teams like Aston Villa and Leeds and Everton and West Ham to compete. Um, there's been a real equaling out or like evening out of everything. So if you don't spend enormous amounts of money like Chelsea and Man City, there it's really difficult for you to, to gain that margin over teams that can buy one or two players or just kind of be right up at your backside. So I think part of that is just the the way the league it was set up back then but they they also had a world-class manager in club take that in consideration that they did the right things their recruitment was spot on um they probably had a couple of duds but they sold one of their best players was able to bring in like literally perfect profiled players for the system that club wanted to to play so i mean if you just take away the fact that i think that the the league was a lot less competitive world-class manager plus the right people in place to get the right profiles of players in, in a system that works. We don't have any of that. <laughs> we don't have a world-class manager. We don't know what our style is. I don't know what is an Arteta player. Do we know yet? You know, because I don't think we know. I don't think we know, you know, so we would need more than just, um, it can happen, but do we have the right mechanisms in place to, to have that type of success in one, in one season? 
Um, Young Whippersnapper says Rogers went from mid table to fighting for top four at Leicester as well. Again, good manager with the right people in the executive levels that can identify talent and bring him the right people in the right positions. Um, Arteta has not shown me yet that he's the type of manager that can get those types of results from his team. I still am not sure what our style is. I'm not sure if the players know. And can Adu and Arteta work together to get the right people, the right profiles in that system, whatever that system is? So it can happen, but we don't have the, I don't think we have the right people in, in place for that. Henrik says, one of the biggest failures as a club is buying a bombing half a year after buying Lacazette. That's not planning for the future, how the team, how the team lines up. I've mentioned that so many times, Henrik. Um, that just shows poor squad building in itself. You know, that you would buy Lacazette and spend $50 million on him and then turn right around and get um, a bombing, not thinking, do they play together? So, um, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. You know, so for the next couple of games, I'm thinking it's going to be rough, I think, because we're not really um, we're not playing for anything. You know, we're really, really not. But um, the next game that we have against is against Chelsea, which I think is going to be pretty rough. But then I think we play like I know we play like Crystal Palace and Brighton. Um, so those games shouldn't be like, you know, really hard games. I think we'll be zombied through them. But um I would like to see Martinelli get more time. You know, um, I think it's unfortunate to me that we're still kind of seeing Saka being played. Um, Martinelli is somebody that I think should get like four games in a row just to get him going. And for some reason, Lacazette was given time. I'm not sure why. Lacazette is on his way out. He should be. And there's no reason to keep him fit for what? You know, I don't really understand that. So I don't want to spend too much time being upset at Arteta because he chose certain players, but I think it's time to just throw in the towel and kind of just say, Hey, the season's over. Let me get certain people game time that deserve it. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me why Martinelli can't get 90 minutes for the next four games, you know, or the next three games or whatever it is. And Lacazette can just sit this one out. And if Lacazette needs playing time, then take William out. You know, I don't really get it. You know, so I would like to see more of Martinelli. Um, if we could blood a couple more youth players, that would be great. I don't see it, but we, we should. Anybody who's not going to really be here next season, and it's painfully obvious that they're not going to be, like Ceballos, should not be playing for me. You know, because there's just a level – they they. they it just seems like there's a, a lack of professionalism. I, I just, I cannot see like, if so, if you take Arteta out of, out of the team or off the sideline and you put a Tuchel or an Ancelotti or somebody like that on that sideline, do you think that those guys would be walking around and playing the way that they played today? I mean, I look at some of the things that I that I saw today, the lack of movement, the lack of caring. You could just tell that there was like a lack of I don't give a shit. And I know you're not supposed to read into body language, but it was like really obvious that they couldn't give a crap. And there's that's just a lack of professionalism. And for me, I think you get away with that with a certain type of with a certain type of manager. 
you know, Arteta is not commanding respect from any of the players but the kids. The only players that play 110% all the time, rain or shine, are the kids. And so if he can't galvanize or get the respect from older players or players that are more established, what does that say? Because they don't respect you enough to, to make runs, to give a shit, to look like they care. I mean, it was painful today. So maybe he just needs to play more of the kids or I don't know. I don't really know. But just looking at their body language was like, what the heck? You know, they really don't rate this man at all. They really, really don't. Henrik says, which players do you see in our first 11 next year? I mean, Tierney, uh, Gabrielle, um, Thomas, and one or two of Martinelli, Saka, or Emil Smith-Rowe. If I'm honest with you guys, I really hope that we are able to bring in players that can supplement their time with those players because I feel like they're being played too much. And so they are hitting walls that they shouldn't be hitting. And um, I look at players like Greenwood and Foden, who I think are they're different than Saka, of course. Um, but I think Saka is pretty much on their level. And but I'm looking at the way that they're able to to grow and to learn their trade in teams that are sta stable in an environment that's conducive to young players being successful. They're not being tasked with running the team and saving the team all the time. And I would like for Emil Smith Rowe, Saka, Martinelli to have the same opportunity in a team that they can be surrounded by 23 to 26 year olds that can just help them out that care. You know, I, I think that they need that. So um, I would love to say Smith Rowe and Saka and Martinelli all starting, but I would like to see them play less so that in the future they can play more, if that makes sense. So hope that answers your question. Um, Pablo says a top four side needs a very good first 11 and consistent squad players to come in. We barely have a good first 11. Tierney, Saka, ESR, Party, Leno, Gabrielle, and Martinelli are the only ones. Yeah. And I mean, half of those are kids, you know, and kids are not consistent. So that's another, another part of it as well is that a lot of the, the inconsistency comes with the older players are not good enough and the young players are inconsistent because they're kids, you know, so that's a really good point. And starting next season, I think one of the words that keep that keep popping into my head is stability. And everything about the season has been about our lack of stability from the top all the way to the bottom. You know, I just think the environment is not conducive for success. And there were obviously factors that we couldn't control, like the pandemic, the fixture congestion, um, not having fans in the stands, things like that. Um, but the things that we could control, like the style of play, the formation, the um, the way that we play, you know, um, we that was it, it just kept chopping and changing. Um, the partnerships on the field kept chopping and changing. Uh, recruitment 
you know, bringing in Thomas party on the last day of the season or the last day of the, the transfer window, the season had already started, you know? So when you do that and you bring him in, you rush him in and then you put all the pressure on him to change your season when you're crab, what do you expect? You know, um, the fact that none of our signings have played well this season or they haven't played consistently well this season just shows the lack of stability in this club. And so I think with Arteta is that there's going to always be um, factors that you can't control, but the ones that you can, you need to do the best to make the best out of those. And so he needs to nail down a system, a formation, a way of playing from the very beginning. It needs to be implemented, you know, in, in preseason because a lot of your players will be there because they're not going to the Euros. And then you need to not chop and change every five days, you know, we need to know who the starting 11 is. The fact that we still don't know shows that he it's a lost season. We've learned absolutely nothing about this team this season, except for the fact that it, they, they need to go. And we already knew that before the season started. So for me, going into next season, we need to focus on stability. We really, really do. The teams that have played well this season pretty much have the same first 11 almost every single game. I mean, you think about that the Liverpool team that played well last season and the season prior, you knew who was starting those games. And of course they broke down at a certain point, but they can go again next season if they really want to. Stability is really what we need. Aston Villa, you can pretty much pinpoint um, who's going to be in that starting 11. West Ham, same thing. Manchester United, the same thing. Teams that is in Manchester City is a completely different thing because they can afford to have two really good first 11s. But even the way that Tuchel came into Chelsea, the first thing he did was he stabilized them, gave them a system to play in that they looked good in, they felt comfortable in. And then as they grew, they st they started to to blossom a little bit more. I don't know if they'll they'll keep that up, but we never got that under Arteta. We got that a little bit when he started playing in the 3-4-3. But I can think of four or five times where we've changed the system and that can't be good for the players getting comfortable and adapting and getting used to, to playing, you know, so stability is really what I'm looking for next season. And um, that's something that the club needs to really think about because if I think it's very unlikely that Arteta is going to be in the top six next season, I just, I haven't seen it. I don't, I would have to see it to believe it, to be honest, even with recruitment, because we don't even know if they'll get the recruitment right. So if the likelihood of him being in a position that would allow him to stay in the job is is next to nothing or it's a, it's a small possibility, then why would we risk our stability, the little bit of stability that we have and, and sack him midseason? That's one thing that I think the club really needs to think about is the pretty much the worst time to sack a manager is midseason. And we're basically setting ourselves up for it by keeping Arteta in a job because we are hoping that he becomes something that we have no tangible evidence that he'll ever become. I mean, we're all saying that he'll probably be a good coach in the future. We don't know. He could be one of the worst coaches in the world. We, we don't know. He could become the best or the worst because there's no tangible evidence of him being successful but we have tangible evidence of him not being good enough. So to give him a, like eight more months to me is just setting ourselves up for another instable, um, 
like an instable season where we're doing a lot of this, you know, and I, I don't think that they'll be able to identify a manager midseason that could stabilize us the way Tuchel has for Chelsea. So I think we're just setting ourselves up, you know, but um, we'll see what happens. Let's see. Hmm. Kurumi says Arteta don't know have don't know have a way of playing him have to learn that first. Oh, so you're saying Arteta doesn't have a way of playing. He has to learn that first. I mean, he said what he wanted to do, but it hasn't manifested itself on the field and he needs to kind of compromise a little bit and get the best out of the players that he has. And that is a big issue for him this season for me. Let's see. Barry says, can we afford to keep faith with Arteta and blow next season by waiting to fire him if he starts badly? I mean, that's pretty much what I'm trying to figure out, Barry, is what is going to be the repercussions? It's going to be another lost season. We lost the season where we hired him. We, we've we lost this season. Are we willing to lose another and fall further behind? I'm not sure if, if that's worth it. I'm really, really not. Yeah, I'm really, really, um, you guys, if it's worth it to keep him because we believe he's going to become something where there's no tangible evidence that he'll become. There really, really isn't. I mean, he can talk his way through this as much as he wants. I feel like he talks a really good game about the project is just going to explode. And once we do this, this will happen. But there's no tangible evidence of it. And I think sometimes you just have to take things the way, like take them for face value. And face value says that he's not a good coach at the moment. And we're not in a place where we need to have a coach that doesn't know what he's doing. You know, so, um, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's really difficult situation. But to wait midseason, I like, I would say for me, there's about a 70% chance that he'll be sacked in December. And then ask me again after the transfer window what I think. Because depending on what kind of players we get, that will determine how quickly he fails. And there's, I mean, it's not a sure thing that just because he gets new players in and he has some more time that he's going to become a great and wonderful coach. Like, it's just, it's really, really risky. We will have wasted three seasons, you know, if if he sacked in December. Um, Maxwell says, this is one of the most pointless Premier League games I've ever watched in a long time. Didn't even celebrate any of the goals. I mean, I, I can agree with that. I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't really celebrate any of the goals. Um, I thought to myself, I'm very happy that we have young players and Saka and Emil Smith Rowe. I think, um, Maybe the Cronkies and Arteta and Adu need to go to the academy and give a gift to the coaches that, you know, coach these young men because they're going to save them. They've been saving them. And that's pretty much we, all we have. If we didn't have Emil Smith-Rowe, Saka, Martinelli, um, these types of players, we would be, we'd be finished. You know, we're already finished as it is, but it would be way worse, you know, but that's the only positive I really can take out of the game and the fact that we didn't lose. But overall, these next couple of games, I think are going to be very, very tough. And I can't see a team that played the way that they played today 
going out there against Chelsea on Wednesday and not getting battered. And that's going to be embarrassing. Let's see. Let's see. Um, fans. Pablo says fans will return next season. So doubt they'll get away with the shit home performances this season. I was thinking that and I was like, you know, if if there were fans in the stands, they would be booing them right now. And I know that it's kind of like taboo to boo, but based on what we've seen, based on this season and some of the performances that some of these players have put in, um, the fans in the stands would not be taking that. And I think when fans return, it's going, it's going to turn up the heat on Arteta. And again, a lot of the teams that are – that we'll be competing with are going to have players that are in the Euros. So they're going to be missing some of their better players from the beginning of the season. Um, And those players will be tired when they come in. We don't have a lot of players that will be coming from the Euros. So he'll have that full preseason that he always talks about. He needs, you know, um, I think there's no excuse for him not to get out of the gate quickly and not to implement a system if we play our first game next season and we're still trying to figure out what we're doing or we're still talking about the transfer window or something like that, he'll be, he's going to be sacked. I mean, it's just nuts. It's really, really nuts. Let's see. Yeah, you guys, make sure you like the video and subscribe to the channel. There's 52 of you guys watching, so make sure you guys – do those things because it, it really, really helps the channel um, grow. Let's see. Um, Patrick says, just the manager's game management was an issue, as you could see today with the type of players he brought in. Just didn't make sense. He just removed the pace up front. I, I couldn't tell you what um, what those substitutions were all about. It, they didn't make sense. Um I thought if anything, Willian should have came out if our, if Lacazette was going to come in, but I still don't understand what we're keeping Lacazette fresh for. I don't really get it. Martinelli should get every single minute of the next four, uh, three games now. So it's just strange to me, but I don't think he has a plan past the, the plan that he makes for the game. And then after that, it's just kind of like, well, whatever, you know, it just doesn't seem like there's a cohesive plan with the substitutions or you know, if, if this person does this, then I'm going to do that. It just seems like I'm going to put out my plan A, and if that doesn't work, then we'll plan A more or something. I really don't know. Because at one point, I couldn't tell what the system was. Um, I didn't know what position Saka was playing. It looked like he just said, go out there and make something happen. Like, it was very strange. Aaron says, Jess, who would you like to see lead this team in August as the new manager, or do you want to stick with Arteta? Um, I don't really know if it's, if it's about what I want, you know, if, if it was up to me, he wouldn't be here, you know, um, we would sack him at the end of the summer and, and bring in a new coach and give him whatever this, this, you know, significant amount of funds is, I would give that to the next manager. Um, in terms of who that would be, I really don't know. It's really difficult to, um, to choose somebody because the best ones are already to me gone. You know, if you wanted to bring in like a Nagelsmann or a Ten Hag, they've, they've re-signed contracts or they're moving to other clubs. 
Um, so I, I'm not really sure who I would bring in, but I know I would definitely want to move on from Arteta now. So we're not doing it mid-season. AK says, just if you say a 70% chance that we sack Arteta in December, then based on that probability, we should sack him when the season ends. Arsenal always leave it late. We're, we're very reactionary. And it has to be like, it's failing without a shadow of a doubt. Like, because right now there's, oh, well, the pandemic. Oh, well, you know, um, we have all these bad eggs. Oh, well, the fine margins. Oh, well, he doesn't have the players that he wants. There's all these little um, factors that are allowing him to, or I think that the club is like, okay, well, that's true. There's all these factors that's keeping him from being successful. So what we do is we wait until there's no shadow of a doubt that he's failing. And then we sack him, even though there's red flags and there has been for a while, you know, um, even with Emery, they should have, they should have sacked him after the first season when he came in um, fifth place and lost the Europa League final, he should have been sacked then, but they were going to give him another contract and they waited until mid season to do it. And even like a whole month after he should have been sacked, it was like very strange. So we're very reactionary. We wait until there's, without a shadow of a doubt, this is failing. You know, they'll wait until he can't have the pandemic excuse. He can't have the fine margin excuse until he spent a certain amount of money. And for me, I think that's the wrong way to be. I think fail fast. You know, if you're not hitting your initial benchmarks, don't wait. Because there's always a chance that it's going to go wrong. You know, I think we always hope that it's going to go right. We're not this unicorn that we're things like the probability of him getting, becoming a good enough manager for us to be in the top, near the top four next season, regardless of transfers is very, very unlikely. And they, they should know that, you know, so for them to be using fine margins and the pandemic and all this as an excuse, I just think that's just so stupid. And that's why we are where we are is because we're not, proactive we're so reactive so i agree with you yeah there there has been genuine red flags from the very beginning from arteta for me at least um i saw a little bit of improvement in december that i liked and i was like okay at least i know what kind of system we're playing but then we went into the west ham game and he changed it again and that's when i was like what are you doing we had finally figured out that when you have Lacazette, you don't play with a bombing. You play Lacazette, Pepe, Saka, and Emil Smith Rowe. When you put a bombing out there, then you play with Odegaard. And then we went into that West Ham game, and he had um, he had Lacazette in there with a bombing. And I thought to myself, that was some unnecessary tinkering. We had just figured out what worked, and you're tinkering again. And from that moment on, we've been unable to gain our consistency back from that very moment. And he's been tinkering ever since. You know, if if Tierney is unavailable, then you play a fullback there. Granite Jaka was always going to become an issue because then you imbalanced our midfield. Like, it's just so many things this season that has just been like, I just cannot believe it. But I think to me, there's been red flags from like the beginning for me. Um, and so I'm not really surprised that we're not doing any better. Um, 
I just thought at least we'd have a style or know what the philosophy is. And the fact that I don't know that is like, wow, that's crazy. Henrik says, Arteta gets the first five, six months of the season to see how the season progresses. I just don't think that he should get that because if it goes wrong, we will have wasted three seasons um, and we'll be even further behind than we already are. I mean, we are light years away from Man City and eventually Chelsea because it looks like they're going to be the next right behind them. Then we're still light years behind Manchester United. We're really far behind Leicester. And I don't care if we beat them. Look at where they are in the league. Where they are in the league is the the best defining factor of where you are in 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 behind another team. So I don't care if we beat Leicester. Look how far ahead they are than we are. You know, so we're very, very far behind. So wasting another six, seven months on Arteta to me just seems silly, but hey. <laughs> um, Republic of Arsenal. Um, says we relegated Big Sam and William scored almost as good as a cup final win. All seriousness, West Brom are poor, but something to smile about tonight, at least. I mean, I'm glad that we didn't lose. You know, I'm glad that we won the game and the kids showed their quality once again. Um, so I, I really can't be that upset. It's just um, when I look at it, I'm just like, wow, can I really go through another three games? <laughs> I don't think I'll make it. Um, let's see. Patrick says, Jess, what do you think of the less fancied Graham Potter and Nuno at Wolves? Would you consider them because they have impressed me how they've built their squads and recruited? So, um, so I think Graham Potter is a good coach. I wouldn't take Nuno. And the reason why is because, um, I just, I don't rate him. I don't, I don't really like him that much. Um, to be honest, I think they had a good like first year or whatever they did. Okay. And then after that, once he switched from a back three to a back four, everything kind of fell apart. Um, they don't play very nice football. And I know that that's important for Arsenal fans for it to be a certain way. And they have a very hard time creating chances. They have a very difficult time scoring goals. And those are things that we already do. That's, that's pretty much how we are. Graham Potter, on the other hand, they create a lot of chances. They just can't put them away. So what that says to me is that they don't have enough quality in their striker positions. Um, so I think Graham Potter is, it would be a good show. I think there's a lot of Arsenal fans that feel like if we can't, if, if it's not an elite manager, just keep Arteta. I, I'm not a part of that group. I think that if we could find a manager that could get more out of the group that we have, then that's good because if you can get up into the in like fifth, sixth place, then you can get a better manager. Because let's be real, managers aren't staying at clubs for 20 years anymore. They're staying at clubs for like two, three seasons. So if you got in a Grand Potter and he was able to get us to fifth, sixth place, and then we could, you know, sack him and then get into the Champions League with an elite level manager, that's how you do it, you know. But the stick with Arteta um, is a big risk. You know, but I do like Graham Potter. I'm just not sure we're even in a market for a new manager. And the issue will become once you get into the season, It once you sack Arteta, your pool of managers becomes so much smaller. And then we're looking at managers without a, without a job currently. Mm-mm-mm. Zach says, Jess, big up. Um, thanks for being here, Zach. I really appreciate it. 
with no European football to deal with next season, it really focuses further on quality over quantity for the incomings, for sure. We'll be focusing on selling or loaning out first. I mean, again, um, subtraction, addition by way of subtraction, subtraction, if I can get that right, is what I'm looking for this summer is we're going to have to get rid of so many players because we're not going to have enough space on our roster. We, we need to really like thin it out. So there's going to be players probably that we weren't expecting to go to leave. So that would be a good thing. And um, yeah, I think quality over quantity is always, it should always be it, right? Um, quality is more important than anything. But I do think that we need to bring in quite a bit of incoming. We, we need quite a bit, not because, you know, we need to just like, I just think the team needs to feel different next season and it won't if we don't bring in a significant amount of players. I think at the very least we need to bring in four at the very least. And um, if we bring in like two, I don't really see that making a huge difference because if one of them gets injured, then we're back with the same team, you know? So it just depends, but I do agree with the quality over quantity thing and we'll be focusing on the league and we need to thin out the squad. All right, you guys, that's going to be it for today. Um, post-match show tomorrow um, will be at 7 p.m. UK time. And I'm sure, I mean, we'll we'll talk about the game, but every conversation from here on out is going to be about the bigger picture <laughs> because unless something crazy happens in a game, I just don't see it, you know. But um, um, I'll keep you guys updated on the guest for tomorrow. I have to see who's available <laughs> and who wants to talk about Arsenal right now. But um, 7 p.m. UK time for the post-match show tomorrow. And um, yeah, I'll see you guys in the next one. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And um, yeah, talk to you guys soon. Bye, guys. Oh.